thoughts and intentions manifest in the world as action. And here, the effect ripples beyond just one's own body-mind. But through our speech, through our actions, we affect others in wholesome ways, unwholesome ways, helpful ways, harmful ways. So how does the life given over to meditation, study of Dhamma, really manifest in your quality of engagement in life? a whole uh, core aspect of the Dhamma, very substantial, is given over to this in our culture. We've given a lot of attention to the development of meditation, but when it comes to the effect in the world, and it comes to really the representation of the quality of one's mind, ethical action is right at the center. Throughout the discourses you see teachings on the importance of sila, And, of course, the most obvious and oft-repeated place is in right speech, right action, and right livelihood, those sila aspects of the path. Profoundly, profoundly relational teaching. It has to do with what one of my teachers called the kind of lubrication of society this decency and kindness. It's also a place where one can clearly see from the outside how one has been culturing the inside. You may not know whether or not someone is particularly mindful or concentrated. But if they're cruel, if they steal, if they're ungenerous, you've got some kind of picture of their mind. That's not just a picture of their body. That's a picture of their mind. So your life, in that sense, is a picture of your mind for each one of us. And it works both ways. 
as we develop the mind. The ethical quality of our behavior, the uh, bountifulness of our generosity grows as our ethical behavior and our acts of giving grow, they also, of course, profoundly impact the culture of the mind, the development of the mind, the freeing of the mind. We'll begin this exploration at the same place that the Buddha begins his teachings with giving, dhamma, giving. There are qualities of generosity that we can speak of, but I really want to ground it in action, and giving is action. It's a relational act from one person to another, from one person to many others, from many people to one. It's an act. And in that act, we see a reflection of the mind that created that act, that generated that act. And when we ourselves undertake the action of giving, we are cultivating the mind. We are cultivating the mind of kindness, the mind of compassion, the mind of sympathetic joy. Oh, they get to have this. We are cultivating the mind of decentering out of our self-obsession. At that moment, it's not about me, it's about the recipient. The act of giving is the physical manifesting of releasing attachment to self. Right there, along with the kindness and compassion that is so clearly visible. We're invited now to explore our own acts of giving, our own heart of giving the movement of generosity alive in our lives already, our valuing of giving, our sensing into and naming what is actually happening as I give, as I do this act of service for my community, as I give this gift, as I support this teacher, or this monk, or this nun, or this center, what's actually happening in my mind? 
Can you pause long enough, settle in sati and samadhi deeply enough to go underneath the act, down into that wordless place where it finds its beginnings? And can you come back up and speak it? Dana, giving, the beginning of the path. The action. Cultivating the mind, freeing the mind. listening deeply. We'll spend just a little bit more time with this contemplation of giving, giving as the, really the primary factor, the starting factor named by the Buddha on the path, even before sila, even before ethics. And You may already have been touching this, but just in case, I want to kind of uh, raise the stakes a little bit for you. Because in addition to this being essential to the cultivation of the mind, it also so happens to be essential for the sustenance of the Buddha Dhamma and therefore for the cultivation of the minds of many going forward. So we're at the leading edge, at the present moment tip of the lineage of giving benefiting from it because it's been going on for a couple thousand years. The teachings you're receiving from me are given freely. The teachings I received from all of my teachers, monastics, were given to me freely, and their teachers before them given freely, going back to the Buddha directly. We are either part of this lineage and really continuing it so that the Dhamma can be given, or we, uh, in a sense, are a break in the chain 
So in addition to cultivating your own heart, this kind of giving is in a very, very direct way, making it possible for the cultivation of the hearts of many. This particular form of supporting the teachers and the teachings. So a few more minutes to cultivate this specific aspect of it in your life, what it means to you, how it's developed in you, how it's developing, the felt experience of it. What a gift for someone else to hear your depth experience of dana, of giving. Speak the truth, listen deeply. (laughs) Now you're invited to explore directly one of these factors of sila. which is right speech. You can explore right speech as you're walking. And I'd like to encourage you occasionally to physically pause, stop walking, and maybe in that pause, stop speaking. Just let the sati become soft and clear and easy in the silence. Continue walking and as you see fit, continue speaking. And the contemplation on right speech is clearly something that could go on for days and weeks One can do whole retreats themed around right speech. So I'll just give you some touch points. The first is I really want to encourage you to stay close to where the speech comes from. Remember that it's a manifestation of the mind. It's, It's a direct thrusting forward of intention. When speech is unkind, there is an intention behind it, sometimes explicitly cruelty or anger. Sometimes it may be more subtle. When speech is kind, there is an intention behind that. Touch into the good intentions. Don't just talk about wrong speech. Talk about right speech. Remember, you do a lot of right speech. So easy to get, you know, into the negative, moralistic kind of finger-wagging at ourselves. But really, please consider the good and kind and beneficial, helpful, truthful, well-spoken speech that you do. 
I deeply trust most of you do lots and lots of it. So touch the intention, whether it's wholesome or unwholesome. So really go down to the bottom, underneath. And likewise, look at how the speech in which you engage forms the mind going forward. If you spend a lot of time talking about stupid stuff, you get stupid. If you spend a lot of time in cruel speech, you, the cruelness becomes a, a feature of the mind. If you use coarse speech a lot, whether it's something as for some of us offensive or for some of us innocuous as um, words that are in our culture considered to be swear words or something. Well, there's a reason you're doing that and that is reflected in the mind as well. It's not a, a judgment of this word is therefore objectively bad. That's ridiculous. But it is an indication of some intention. And what that is, you can explore. Cause and effect, cause and effect. That's all. So some of the dimensions the Buddha spoke about were, is it true or untrue? Beneficial or unbeneficial, will it have an effect? Is it spoken at the right time? Is it spoken with a mind of loving kindness or obviously perhaps a mind of hatred or... So right speech as a practice. How is it living in your life? How does it hold you in the way of aspiration or inspiration? How does it re reflect the mind and form the mind? See it in yourself. And as you're speaking with your meditation partner, watch it in action, it's here. You don't have to go somewhere else. Okay, that's your listen deeply, speak the truth, practice. To live with ethical behavior is to live in a way that does no harm. And so it is a giving of the gift of safety. Right speech provides safety from that harshness and harm that can come out of wrong speech. Right action creates safety in terms of sexual behavior, 
the abstaining from intoxicants that make the mind insane. They create the safety of non-stealing and non-killing. So beings around you can engage in their path to freedom, unimpeded and safe and happy. And right livelihood provides safety by avoiding wrong livelihood. Sometimes it even takes the form of livelihood that is obviously wholesome and beneficial to society, but at the least it's not harmful. So we're invited now into this reflection of sila from this perspective of non-harming. And again, as you reflect on how your life is inclined or can be inclined towards this aspect, this manifestation of the Noble Eightfold Path. Let's remember that this is all a direct reflection of the mind. It's as if someone took your mind, laid it out on a poster board, and put it out there and said, look, here's what's inside. the act of taking what is not given or the act of abstaining from that reveals the mind. The act of engaging with intoxicants reveals the mind. Have a look. The act of, of abstaining reveals the mind as well. And so on. And livelihood. What you do, how you engage with others. Livelihood, why is it so important that it got its own path factor? Well, because we do it all day. It sets up certain mental patterns, behaviors, relationships, over and over and over, day after day. That's big stuff. My guess is that almost everyone here, if not everyone, spends more time doing their work than meditating. Think of all those mind moments. So not only is the mind being revealed in your choices or how you make your living, but also the mind is being formed. And that doesn't mean, again, we don't all have the choice 
oh, I'm going to therefore spend my time working at an orphanage or teaching Dhamma or something like that. But is there non-harm? This is the the bottom line. Non-cruelty, non-harm, safety for beings. And when you're in a situation where perhaps you've been asked to engage in harm by your employer or something, wow, my heart goes with you. That's a hard one. That's a really hard one. But life is not perfect. We do our best. So to help our conversation really touch what is emergent and new needs our practice, needs our support. So I'd like to put the emphasis on that don't know, trust emergence mind. But that's not just trusting emergence as other people speak and you listen. When you go have a look in your own inner mind and you contemplate this, can you touch what's genuine and new? Good qualities that are present that you didn't recognize before because you didn't think about it this way. Wow, I really do spend most of my time not stealing, not killing, not engaged in sexual misconduct. You know, no, come on. This is good stuff, but see it with a fresh mind. It's powerful stuff. I guess, I guess my mind must be in pretty good basic condition. That's nice. Whatever it is that's fresh, that's clear, that's true. And how is it a practice? How does it move forward for you now with this wisdom? that you've already acknowledged is living in your heart. How does this develop? You never know. You might offer your gratitude now. Thank you for your practice. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.